Hi everyone, this is a brand new series that we're going to be doing called The Test. And in this brand new series, we're going to unpack probably what is the greatest test to us all and have a look at this divine apostolic encounter between God, Abraham and Isaac. It was an apostolic confrontation where heaven meets earth or the eternal meets earth and this incredible challenge while this incredible opportunity for those of earth to come into the eternal and as i've said this series is going to be called the test and we're going to look at genesis 22 1 to 19 and unpack each verse and then maybe put some verses together and see what we can discover see what is concealed in these passages for us to enter into in relation to the test. And as the spirit of revelation starts to open up this realm to us, we're going to be taken into a dimension which truly is apostolic and we'll get to see a life that we are called to live. So I want to read out Genesis 22, 1 to 19 uh, as a one-off just for the context. And then we're going to have a look at the very first verse around God tested Abraham. That's right. God allows tests and he also puts us in tests. So it says this. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. Isaac, this is a massive part in these scriptures. And go into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and settled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. We're going to unpack the significance of all that in relation to the test. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from the distance, Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. So Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. That's massive as well. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering my son. Another key words here when we look at God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. So many synergies here between Abraham and Isaac and God and God and his son Jesus and humanity. So the two of them walked together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top 
of the wood. You can imagine what Isaac was going through his mind. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife. And Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Once again, so many synergies. Then Abraham raised his eyes, looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket of the, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. In the, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you. And I would greatly multiply your seed as the stars of heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. And your seed, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Bathsheba. And Abraham lived in Bathsheba. So Let's begin with this very first verse, and all I want to do is unpack verse 1. And then over the coming weeks, we're going to unpack each verse or verses clustered together. Verse 1. Now it came about that after these things, that God tested Abraham. Question. Is this a new reality for you? That God will test you? Not only will God test you directly, at the same time, He will allow things to happen to you that you would then be tested. And in modern day Christianity, where many are raised in a prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel at all of Jesus Christ, I wonder how many of us have the capacity within us to actually say yes to this truth and fully embrace the test that God brings and the test that God allows to test us to see where we are really are in Him. You know, it says in James that it says, test yourself, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith, the spiritual faith that the Scriptures talks about. It's important that we know that we are in the reality because we are called to live by faith. And so this is huge. And this passage below that I'm going to read out grabbed my attention like no other. And it's very much a reality today. It's 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 4. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You see, God's gospel has God putting us in tests and allowing us in tests. Man's gospel doesn't. And as we go further and further towards the return of Christ, people are going to reject God's gospel for man's gospel. 
And so God in that alone is a test. And the question is, are you fully aware that God is going to test us to allow us to be tested for a number of different purposes? And all these tests are for our good ultimately. And so the purposes for God testing us and allowing us to be tested are as follows. And this is not a full list, but here are six things in connection to that statement. Firstly, for the purpose to be able to demonstrate a life of wisdom through our faith in Jesus. That's why God puts us in a test and allows us in a test that we're able to demonstrate a reality that speaks and glorifies Jesus and the Father. Second, for us to know that we are in the truth that is making us free because truth is self-evident. So because we are in this reality and the truth is self-evident, we get to know of the substance of life in us. Three, to test the quality of the Spirit's work within us. Four, to enable us to see the fruit, the growth and transformation within us. Five, to reveal to us areas in our life where we are missing the mark so we can turn to Him and come into more life. It's very hard to turn to someone or something if you don't know there's an issue. So the test exposes us in a good way. And the test also, number six, exposes any lies, wrong thinking, and unbelief that exists in us for the purpose of change and transformation so we can lay hold of life. These tests are for our own good. And if we will allow them to take place and see them as a gift that the Father is allowing and bestowing on us to help us become more like Him, then that has to be a good thing. There is nothing negative about the test that God puts us in or that God allows because the life that sits behind that test is the key. The eternal substance that's behind that test is what God wants us to lay hold of. And that's our challenge because it's very easy to justify yourself away from a test, to never show up, to run away, to deny, to deflect, to hide from as opposed to embrace the reality that God is trying to do within us. So we must be prepared to have any fear which resides in us being confronted by God through this test because the freedom we long for in Him is on the other side of that fear. And fear is only a false reality. It's a false evidence appearing real. And it is in the receiving of perfect love through faith in Jesus that we are set free from this false reality that appears real. 1 John 4 verses 16, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Reality is, right, we want to be perfected in love, purified in love, so we can love. So the type of tests which God will put us in or send our way are as follows. And I've just made a list of 
15 things, but there's probably more. Firstly, the becoming one test. The prayer of Jesus that we would become one, which means it must become a reality, not just say it is, it must become a reality. So are we in fellowship or are we still operating out of function? The believe test. Whom do you say I am? The identity test. Who do you say you are? The entering his rest test. Can you be still and know that he is God? The relational test. Whom do you love? The missional test. Who do you live for? The will test. Whose will are you doing and living for? The learning test. Who is your actual teacher? The serving test. Who are you serving? The giving test. Do you give and why do you give? The obedience test. Doing what I say when I say it. The poor in spirit test. Are you actually humble and poor of spirit or still full of pride? The authority test. Do you know how to use the sword? And whose authority are you under? The abiding test. Is there fruit being produced? The being tempted by the devil test. Will you overcome or will you be overcome? These 15 tests, they test and examine the reality of Christ within us to test us where we're really at. If right now you are hearing anything negative or a sense of pressure or performance, then can I encourage you to ask yourself why this might be the case. These tests are of Him and from Him for us. They are positive things, all of them. The tests God allows and the tests He puts us in are of Him and for us. They are positive and they are all part of being a disciple in Him and coming into all things. I just want to read you that scripture that I mentioned before about test yourselves to see if you're in the faith, which comes from 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to 6. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. You and I must be prepared to measure our spiritual growth and development. We must be prepared to ask ourselves the hard questions and be honest with the results because eternal life in Christ in us is at stake. I don't mean our eternity. I mean the eternal life we can know having Christ's life form within us is at stake. And a big question that we must all ask ourselves is this. Do we have the kind of faith that brings us into the life that the Holy Scriptures prophesy and testify of? Do we have the kind of faith that brings us into this life that the Holy Scriptures prophesy and testify of? And if we don't, something we've got to look at. Because when the test goes on, we'll be found short and wanting. 
as disciples, we are to be fully trained and fully equipped to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, being like our master. That's what Luke 6.40 says. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Not just saying you're Christian, but saying you're Christ-like. You're becoming like the Christ because you've gone through the tests that have formed that life. You haven't skipped the process. You've entered into the process and now you've laid hold of the promise. It's very important we don't skip the process. Otherwise, we never lay hold of promise. And Abraham was being tested by God. And we're going to have a look at what God was ultimately testing because it's the same thing he's going to test you and I in. And if we don't pass this test, then we unfortunately won't be able to live the life we're called for. If Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil, then so will we. It's the process of Christ. There is no free ride and there is no escaping these tests. If you are truly serious about truly becoming a fully fledged follower of Jesus, not just say and be a fan, but be a follower of Jesus, as opposed to being a crowd surfer who just comes along for what they can get out of Christ and bails at the first sign of difficulty or testing or challenge, then you will never know and never come into the life he has for you. Spirit-led followers see the tests that God wants to bring and allows as gifts and opportunities for growth, development, and transformation in him. They see these tests as opportunities for God to reveal his glory, his power, and his overall magnificence within them and given the scenario that, that goes through them, that he gets glorified. They see them as divine opportunities for the work of God to be done and to have them display the reality of God. To give testimony of the work of God through the test. To bring us out of darkness and into light, both internally and externally. So I want to leave you with some questions to consider in relation to the test, because it's not just test. There's going to be multiple tests. But this first test that we're going to unpack in the next part is the test that all people need to face and overcome. So the first question, why did God test Abraham? What was Abraham being tested on? Why does God test us and allow tests to come our way? How do we respond when faced with tests? And what would you say you see tests as a positive or negative thing and why? We'll look forward to seeing you soon in part number two.